Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. We're looking at two chapters this morning. We'll need, I think, we yes, we have the microphone set up here. We're going to have a couple of readers. I had two in mind, but I think since Joseph is visiting today, maybe he could split the chapter that Daniel had. But before we read Revelation <clears throat> chapter 8, we have two chapters to consider as we close out the study and revelation for now, for a few weeks. But this is an exceedingly important chapter. We were reading or hearing about the how uh, Andrew mentioned about the frightening things that are coming up. These chapters today are going to tell us of that. There is in the book of the Revelation in, intensifying judgments that are going to come on our world. It gets worse as we move through the book. But the, the judgments that we're going to see from the hand of God are extremely serious, frightening, terrifying to say the least. And it, it behooves all of us to, 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 to take note and to and ask ourselves, where do we stand before the living God? See, the book of the Revelation is about the future, primarily. And I want to say this morning that the vast majority of people in the world today, as far as the future goes, all we can see is up to the gravestone. And we don't even like to think about that. I know I'm going to die, but, but, but that's about all I know. Anything beyond that is a leap in the dark. You know, it's a guesswork. It's a point in under men wants to die and after this, the judgment. We know that's coming, but we, we kind of just ignore it, like looking in the mirror and saying, ah, yeah, that's me. Ah, I forget about it. I'll think about it some other time. <clears throat> We're going to read today about a future that is just Hollywood couldn't create anything like this. Let them fabricate all they can on their movies with the apocalypse and that kind of thing. This is real. This is God. Now, we're going to look at two chapters this morning. But I just thought to start, we might think of the, uh, the, the, the section that we find ourselves here in Revelation. We are working off primarily the outline for Revelation from chapter 1 and verse 19, right? We, we have an outline. Uh, the, the word to John was, write the things which are, the things which you have seen, and the things which will be hereafter, or the future. It's a wonderful thing to know the future. We know it from the word of God. This section, starting in chapter 4 of the book of the Revelation, all the way through the end, chapter 22, has to do with the things that will be hereafter. After this, the future. In other words, after this, in chapter 4, when John is caught up and he sees the door in heaven and he has this revelation of, of uh, various things, we take that in symbol implying the rapture of the church. In other words, if the Lord Jesus were to come today and to take his own to be with himself... These are the things that happen after. We look at the book of the Revelation in the futuristic sense. So this section of chapter 8 and 9 is has to do with the future. But I want to just give you just a little overview because it's not only the things that are going to be after this, but each little section from chapter 4 to chapter 22 give us tremendous insight. And it's helped me and I hope it helps you to look at the book of the Revelation in this way. Let me just give you an example before our readers come up. At the beginning of each section, from chapter 4 to chapter 7, uh, chapter uh, 8 to chapter 11, uh, we'll talk about that later, there's something opened, a theme, a thought flow established, and at the end of that section... 
What is there? There's a comment and a climax. Let me give you an example. We looked at chapter 4. Something opened. A door was opened in heaven. And, and when John goes through that door, he sees a throne. The throne becomes the established thought flow. A, an, an established thought flow. And that goes all the way through chapter 7. But it brings us to a climax. In the end of chapter 6, there was an awful calamity in the seals and the judgments coming down upon men. And they say, hide, they say to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. And then in chapter 7, we're going to see saints that are gathered around the throne that were protected from all of that. You see, so each little section will give us a glimpse of the future and it takes each little section takes us all the way to the end. What's the end? The end of the tribulation. When, when the kingdom of God will be established on earth. Every section will do that and we'll, we'll elaborate that on that a little bit. But it's helped me and I trust it'll help you as we, as we go into that more because this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Every section will unveil the wonder and the marvel of his person. So let's, uh, let's twist, switch, uh, switch that slide. Let's call our readers up. I think uh, Gene is first. And what we want to do, have a little test here. And we'll ask when we're done, after uh, the, the Ducanus brothers are done reading chapter 9, we're going to fill in the uh, blanks here. But meanwhile... We're going to read chapter 8. Gene's going to do that for us. And then Joseph and Daniel for chapter 9. Revelation chapter 8, New King James Version. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So, so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the, si- and, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and, and on the spring water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the, a third of the day did not shine, likewise the night. And I looked. And I heard an angel flying through the midst of, through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, "Woe, woe, woe, to the inhabitants of the earth, because something, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound." Thank you, Gene. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Thank you. Good to have Joseph Ducanus visiting with us all the way from PBA. All right, Revelation chapter nine. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven to earth, and he was given a key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke of the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth, nor any green plant or any tree, but only those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not be able to find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like woman's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. 
They had a breastplate, breastplate like the breastplate of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt uh, people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In Greek, his name is uh, he is called Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. All right, uh, chapter 9, verse 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who were rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads. And by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or the sorceries of their sexual immorality or their thefts. Thank you, Daniel. Indeed, serious stuff. Let's just take this little quiz here. You can answer it in your head. Uh, I hope we have, everybody knows the answers to these blanks. The opening of the what seal? Seventh. Followed by what in heaven? I heard it. Silence. The introduction of blank angels who stood before God? I heard it. Seven. And who were given... How many trumpets? Blank trumpets? I heard it. Seven. Chapters eight and nine cover the results of blank trumpets sounding. I'll give you a hint. Six. Now, let me just further illustrate what I meant by these little sections that follow of coming in the future. If we were to take chapter 8 through 11, at least one theme established is the seven trumpets. We only got six in this chapter. But when you get to chapter 10, you have reference. And chapter 11, finally, the seventh trumpet. That alone could tell us that there's these little sections that, 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 that they start with something opened and they end with a climax. So oftentimes you'll hear, well, we have parentheses along the way. And that, that's probably so. But the way this, uh, if you take it by thought flow or theme, you'll have these sections that will carry a thought flow and end in a climax at the end. It'll take us all the way through the end. All of these sections take us all the way through the end of the tribulation and, and, and ultimately the establishment of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. I want to illustrate this with... Um, uh, uh, chapter number eight. There is a general theme established here. Not uh, uh, is is that the next slide? Can you can you go to the next? Ah, the this, this section of Revelation has a theme. That's what I want. A theme of time and timing. All right. Let me establish that first and see if we can figure out the significance of that theme that seems to be established. That, for instance, chapter eight, verse one. How long was there silence in heaven? Half an hour. We get the themes established right away. Half an hour. Now, whatever you think of that half an hour. Well, we'll we'll talk about that later. Eight, one, nine, five. Look at this awful uh, trumpet. Uh, this, this, the judgment, trumpet judgment that came in 9-5. Their power was their, that they should torment men five months. All right? 
Nine, uh, another time, ten, uh, chapter, verse number 10. And, and they had uh, uh, tails and stings in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months. And, and, and verse 15, the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year. Did you know God has a schedule? See the timing schedule here? I never noticed that before. We're gonna, we, we might have time to refer to that. that, that that's, that's, it's amazing to me that, 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 that these angels are, are prepared on a specific day, a specific month, a specific hour. Okay, and then uh, chapter 10, verse 6. He swear, the angels swear by him that lives forever and ever that, that there should be no longer delay. If you get King James, time no longer. Another reference to time. Look at verse 7. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he be, shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to the prophets. The days. The days of the seventh trumpet. Another time reference, all right? Uh, 11.2. We're going through the end of this section of chapter 11. 11.2. 42 days. This is coming. You know, you, oh. You know Temple Mount? If you're familiar with that? Over in, in Israel? Temple Mount? Nothing there now? There will be. There will be a temple. But what's going to happen to it? It's going to be trodden underfoot of the Gentiles. How long? 42 months. And so on. These two prophets come up in verse eight and nine, and they're going to they're going to there's going to be a big party because because the world can't stand righteous people, and they're going to kill them. Ha! We got rid of them. They're going to lie in the street, dead. Can you imagine all the cameras, all the social media? These guys are just laying on the street, dead. Three and a half days, they're going to lie dead. God's going to resurrect them. Timing, right? Timing. And then, uh, listen to this. This is the ultimate in, in verse number uh, uh, six, uh, 17 of chapter 11. We give thee thanks. This is the elder speaking. O Lord God Almighty, which art and what art to come because you have taken to thee your great power in this reign. The nations are angry. The wrath has come. The time that the dead should be, the time that the dead should be judged. And, and uh, the reward unto the servants, the prophets, to the saints, them that fear thy name, and, and uh, both small and great, should destroy them which destroy the earth. When is that going to happen? When the seventh angel sounded, verse 15. See these time references. Now, the angels, uh, the elders have been watching. Remember, they're around the throne, chapter 4. They're watching all these events, and they want to know the timing of all this. They're interested. They're watching. They're, they're, they're going to see what is ha- what is happening? Why? There's timing for these judgments and God is bringing them on the earth. For what purpose? To establish the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. In our minds, listen, I'm, I, I'm human too. I can't imagine this. I can't imagine this, that there's coming a day... On this earth, when we, yes, we'll have all the countries and so forth, but the kingdoms of the world will one day become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That's where, that's where our society is headed. That's what the truth of God says. We have God's word on that. Jesus will reign wherever the Son does His excessive journeys run. He will establish His kingdom. You see, so this section, which started off with something open, the seventh seal was open. There was silence for half an hour. And all these timing references go through until there's going to be no more delay. The judgments will be done. It, it takes us all the way to the end of the tribulation when the kingdom of the Lord Jesus is established. And what happens in the next verse? Starts another section. The temple of God was opened. Another something opened, and it's going to establish another theme, and it'll take us through to another climax in chapter 15, and so on. But we won't do, we're not going to talk about that now. So the significance of time and timing, it's going to point to the time of the end, right? That's, that, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, He will come. He will reign. He's coming for His saints. Any day now, any time now. But he's coming again with his saints to establish his kingdom. After all of the horrors 
of the tribulation. I want to think about this just briefly about this thought of time and timing. All through the Old Testament, let's 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 say starting in chapter 6 of Revelation. Remember the souls under the altar? How long? Chapter chapter 6, right? How long will you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? There was a cry that came from the souls that were that, that, that were under the altar, evidently martyred for the name of the Lord Jesus. How long before you take vengeance, before you avenge the world? That subject is spoken of throughout all of the Old Testament. You can go to any portion you want in the Old Testament. How long will the wicked triumph? How long, Lord, before you keep don't keep silence and come? Why are we suffering? The silence of God is a broad subject in the Word of God. Why is it that individually... Corporately, uh, nationally, we have, we, we ask God why the, the, the heavens seem to be as brass. There's no answer that comes from God. Many an individual, many a family with a sickness, with a, with, with, with a medical issue, with, with a social issue, they, they bring it to the Lord and there's no answer from God. And, and, and the scoffers go, oh, there's no such thing as God. That's your imagination. There's no answer. There's no answer. Even Christians can get like that at times. Where is this God? Where is this God? He's silent. He's not answering. I prayed to my God and he's not he's not responding to me. Everywhere you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that 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 aspect of waiting Calling upon God, but God does have a schedule. He will judge. Sometimes the thought is, you know, we look around the world and we say, you know, the world's in a mess. Why doesn't God do something? First of all, God has done something because he's met our biggest need. You understand. I understand. That we are sinners, separated from a holy God. We had no claim whatsoever on God. We'd like to think we do, but we don't. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has done something. And guess what? When his son was on the cross, what did he say? After men, all the shame men heaped upon him. Jesus bore it on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him. He cried from, from, from the cross while the tormentors, the dogs were around him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If ever anybody knew the silence of God, it was the Lord Jesus. God has done something. He has sent his beloved son. To bear my sin in his own body on the tree. And now I can say I am pardoned. Happy and, and, and multi, purified free. Because Jesus has suffered for my sin. God has done something. But other times we say, why doesn't God give me the car I need? I need a car. I need a house. I need a health. I need a money. And God doesn't answer. Why? God has a schedule. In his time. Beautiful. He will answer. Now that at the end of this, you know, we wonder how long the silence as we look around, how long the ministry of these prophets that are going to go on, how long before the kingdom is established, how long before the delay, how long the delay would happen. The angel said it would be very short in chapter 10. We give you thanks. So we come to the end of that section. It's a matter of time and timing because we want to know how long will this last? Let's, let's bring it right up to now. Did you ever think there would be such a global issue as we have now with all the virus hysteria that is affecting all the known 
peoples of 7 billion plus? Did you? I didn't. I've never seen anything like this. It could be the very groundwork to, to introduce the, the, the answer man, the man of sin, the devil's Messiah that's coming. To, well, he might be here now that's going to set himself up as God, showing himself that he is God. He could be alive right now. We get that from other portions of the scripture. Did you ever think there would be such a time as this when the world would be in such upheaval? Right here in Pembroke Pines, we're leaving yesterday. Traffic jam, both directions all around the college because freebies. I can test myself to see if I have the virus. Giving away the kits, that's all. I'm not, not, that's, that's necessary. But we're scared, aren't we? As a, as, as, as a nation, as a people, as an individual. This has got me going. I'm going to get in line. I'm going to see if I have it. Well, listen, there's something far worse. There's something far worse than COVID-19. I know most of us know that from the word of God. There is this matter of sin that has affected all of us. You've heard the story. I told you when I was younger, a young man stood up in a meeting and very solemnly announced to all that were there, a youth meeting, I have Adamson's disease and I'm terminally ill. His sister was in the audience and she had no idea what he was talking about. He looked healthy. (laughs) My brother, he's got Adamson's disease. He's going to die. What about my brother? He made the application. She was somewhat relieved, but it's serious. Adam's sin, disease were all affected. By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. I'm affected. It's far worse than getting affected by COVID-19. I've been affected by something that's going to separate me from God forever. Far worse. But praise the Lord. By one man. Yes, sin entered the world, but by one man, there's the grace of God that he's offering to us because Jesus suffered for my sake. He could put away the sin that has affected me. He could, he could bring me completely forgiven and cleansed and, 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 and ready to meet him. Now, just as in chapter four, there was something open, a little theme established of the throne brought all the way to the end of chapter seven, chapter eight. There's this theme of time and timing established almost right away. Well, right away, the first verse. And it goes all the way to chapter 11 and verse 18. When there will be time no longer, delay no longer, the kingdom of God will be established. It's a lovely way to see this book of the Revelation in regard to the future. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know the future, isn't it? I don't have to ride down the street and see these flashing neons get your palm red let me have your leaves so forth and so on right let me tell you your future let me look into your eyes whatever let me look into well we heard before about the liver king looked into a liver to find about an animal liver to see what the future was i don't have to do that you don't have to do that we have it right here we have it right here the future the future And they wanted to know, the elders wanted to know, what is the timing of all this in chapter 8 through 11? And he told them. Now, let me just say before we get into chapter 8 and 9, there is a general theme of judgment throughout the revelation. Sin brings a curse. God is holy. He cannot stand sin. He's going to judge the world. We wonder why doesn't God do something? He has do something. He has done something. He will yet do something all the way through these horrifying, catastrophic judgments. And we're going to read about some of them. But then think about this before we go to the chapter. There is a another theme in all of the revelation of the tabernacle. Is that about? Well, 
The tabernacle in the wilderness was where God was willing to abide, to live among the people of God and to display himself, to show his glory, to invite people to himself. That was the tabernacle in the wilderness. All through Revelation, you see an article of furniture. You know why? Because the tabernacle in the wilderness is a copy of the true tabernacle in heaven. All the pieces of furniture are there from the tabernacle in the book of the Revelation, and they have significance. Let's just take the one in our chapter. Chapter 8, verse 1. Let's start. I saw seven angels which stood before God. To them were given seven trumpets. Another angel came and stood before the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which before the throne do you know about the tabernacle in the wilderness oh maybe no maybe maybe you just don't regard that that's the old testament that's that's passe well guess what it's real it's in heaven it's there What is the significance? Listen to this. This This is remarkable. The altar of incense was where man could stand before the living God. His throne was just on the other side. Remember when we had the the bottle here? We had a, a veil that stood in behind the altar of incense. And then there was the throne of God, the ark. Man could stand and pray. Let my prayer be as incense which ascends up before you, O God. Think of the wonder that puny creature man could stand before the living God and pray and and supplicate, could ask the living God. How through the Bible you see that Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, his tower had come before the, the incense altar when he stood praying. And guess what? After he finished praying, it was silence. I think we can go to the next slide here. This is just going to give us an outline. Dale, if you can go to the next slide. There's this silent pause. He gathered this Incense, which is what? The prayers of all the saints. Do you think, child of God, do I think as a child of God that God doesn't hear my prayer? He may not answer it right away. There may be silence. But I continue because he collects these prayers. There was a silent pause. As, 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 and then what? The prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense of the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. The angel took the censer and he filled it with fire of the altar and he cast it to the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. You have this silent pause, but this solemn preparation These angels that stand before God are now going to act in these judgments in response to what? The prayers of the saints. It does mean something when we pray. God does hear our our prayers. He will answer. And we're going to see he does have a schedule. He does have a time frame. Praise the Lord. It may not be when in my time. The farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Lightning to the Lord's coming in James 5. So here there's the silent pause, the solemn preparation, the saints' prayers. It does mean something when we can pray. But think about that silence. Here is the golden altar of incense, the prayers of the saints. 
but silence. Now we know what's to come. Did John? Did heaven? Here's the silence of expectancy. What's going to happen? It's like being in a courtroom and we're watching and hearing for the jury to announce guilty or innocent. We want to know what's going to happen. We want to know. Here is an awe-inspiring silence. All of heaven is waiting to see what's going to happen. And the angel takes, as, as it were, this incense from off the altar and casts it to the earth. And now what's going to happen? It's going to be unfolded. So there was this preparation for the most awful judgments this world has ever known. You think we have it bad now with the catastrophes? Pandemics. Violence that's taking place on the earth now? What about the terrors of God that are coming about here? These are judgments that were prophesied by Enoch. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. But he's coming to judge. It was prophesied by Enoch. It was prophesied by Enoch. It was expected by the psalmist. All through the Psalms you can read. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it. And all that the trees of the wood will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness. And his peoples with truth. Let the floods clap their hands. You know earth suffers because of sin too. But the time is coming when the Lord will judge in righteousness. But it's also verified by the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul, this coming judgment. For God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained. In that he hath given assurance unto all men and that he has raised him from the dead. You know, there's a command of God that goes out. To the whole world, 7 billion plus people. But the vast majority of that 7 billion Go on in life with no care or no regard for God. No care to, 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 to disobey his command. But he commands all men everywhere to repent. And he's given assurance to all men. Because he has raised Jesus from the dead. But the vast majority go on as scoffers in the last days. Men shall scoff and say, where is the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. The sun comes up, the sun comes down, the moon comes out. I sleep, I eat, I play. Is that what life is about? All things will not continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. We're going to see in this chapter, in just a few minutes remaining, how God is going to intervene into his creation. The saints' prayers calling out, and it's a sad thing because these judgments are going to be poured out on a Christ-rejecting world that wanted nothing to do with the Savior. The Savior has become the judge. There remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries, Hebrews says. That's what the world has to look forward to. But the vast majority don't want the Savior. We were singing about the man of sorrows. If you know the Savior this morning, you can say with the old hymn, Look, you saints, the sight is glorious. See the man of sorrows now. From his fight return victorious. Every knee to him shall bow. He's coming to judge. Calvary is gone. But he's coming to judge. The suffering Savior. The sovereign Savior. He's coming. Let's read about it. The sinner's punishment. There's six soundings here. 
The first angel sounded. There followed hail and fire mingled with blood. They were cast upon the earth. The third part of trees were burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. I, I just can't imagine that such devastation. <clears throat> That's the first trumpet. The second angel sounded and a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood. The third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed. A while back, I don't follow the news as I should. Remember, there's been a lot of shortages. I was told it was because the ships were held up with all the goods in the harbors for whatever reason, I don't know. Can you imagine when they can't come? What calamity will take place? Cast into the sea, the third part of the sea became blood, the third part of the creatures. I love fish. (laughs) Can't eat this fish. Third part of the ships were destroyed. What is this great mountain? Well, we can talk about it tonight. Babylon, the nation is called a destroying mountain. Is that it? Is it is it symbolic? I don't know. It seems literal. The rest of it's literal. It seems literal. The third angel sounded. There fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp. It fell upon a third part of the waters. The name of that star is called Wormwood. Third part of the waters became Wormwood. Many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. You know that God put the stars in place billions and billions of stars, and He knows their names. We have a couple of names in Scripture. Look in Job, Pleiades, Orion. Here's a star, He's named Wormwood. He knows, He numbers the stars. You know, in our minds, we can't grasp the number of stars. But He knows, He counts them. Psalm 147, He knows every star by name. And here's a star. It's going to cause bitterness on the world, on the earth. When he who flung the stars in, 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 in space hung on Calvary's cross as the, the savior of sinners, men came to get him bitter water. He wouldn't drink. But now he's going to cast this star on the earth and the water's going to be bitter. Men can't drink. You know why? They wouldn't drink of the, the, the refreshing water of life here. They would have nothing of that water of life. It's going to come when there's going to be this bitter water. How wonderful that he makes the water of life to us today. The fourth trumpet, verse number 12. He who brought the stars, the moon, the sun into view to provide light for man. Under this fourth trumpet, he's going to withdraw it. You know, <clears throat> there is a cycle. We, we, we know it as a natural cycle. What, what the world calls it? Mother nature. Mother nature makes the sun come up and mother nature makes the stars shine and all this kind of thing. He who put the stars in place is going to withdraw that light that he himself created and all of this will affect seriously the health and well-being of the people on the earth at that time. This will disturb the seasons and hinder the growth of fruits and vegetables, the inhabitants of the earth. Woe, woe, woe. That's an ex- exclamation of grief. Three times, woe, woe, indicating the severity and the consummation of God's judgment at the end of the tribulation. As I said before, men have been comforting themselves in the lie that all things will continue as they were from the beginning of the creation, but it's not so. God will intervene in his own creation 
To what end? We're going to find out here in a minute as we close. Chapter 9. Dreadful, diabolical activity. Hell on earth. You know and I know out in the world in which you and I live, we glibly speak of hell as if it's some place where we can party on, you know. I'm going to party all night, dance all day. That's not the place what hell is represented as in the Bible. The blackness of darkness forever. The worm does not die. The fire is not quenched. But out here in chapter 9, what happens? A star fall from heaven. There was something given to that star. It seems to be Satan. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as a, as a star, as lightning. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the heaven. I think he, he meant here that it could be indicative of, 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 of Satan. So he, here is the star. And, and he was given the key to the bottomless pit. What is this abyss? It's a dreaded place. When Jesus was here, the demons were scared, were, were, were fearful of him. Don't put us into the abyss. We don't want to go there now. But there is them there now that are going to be released and all hell will break loose on earth. What an awful, awful thing. Verse number two, the sun, uh, uh, smoke of the great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Sinners by nature and practice, they hate the light of darkness rather than light. Now that all there is is darkness, it'll be too late. Look at verse 6. This has always gripped me. We're almost done. Verse number 6. In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. It's going to be so awful, these torments, that mankind is going to be so fed up with it, so tormented that they're going, the only escape is death. They're going to jump it, as it were, jump into a, a, a body of water and not sink. They can't sink. They're going to drink poison like they did in Jim Jones. They can't die because the giver of life is not going to allow them. You think that's bad? What about the horrors of the second death? Here on earth, the dwellers on the earth, the inhabitants of the earth can't die. They want to get out of here. Release me. I can't take it. You know what the second death is? Torment day and night forever and ever and ever. We're working up to this. I'm going to skip to verse 14 and 15. This remarkable judgment will take place at an exact time known only to God. The date of the event is already scheduled. As I understand it. Even now those four angels are prepared. For the hour of the day and the month and the year. God has a program. And it will be carried out. This chapter closes with a very solemn scene. After these six trumpet judgments. Have been brought out. A good portion of mankind still says no to God. They did not repent. What is it? What is it to repent? To think differently, to change our minds. You know, it's hard to change your mind, isn't it? Especially about God, because I want to be my own God. You have known, I have known several people that stand and defy God. I was born this way. I'll die this way. I will not believe in your Jesus. There's going to be people in that day, despite the known evidence of God revealing himself in all of these awful judgments, they're not going to repent. A, re- a stubborn refusal, as it were, shaking their fist in the face of God. No, I want to worship my own God. I can, I can make my own God. So silver, gold, brass, iron, marble. I can make it stone, wood. They won't repent. Now, repentance, we'll close with this. Repentance is not just for the sinner. It's for the saint. I'm a child of God through faith in Christ. And so are many of you here this morning. 
you know that you'll never face these judgments. You know that the torment and the fire of hell will never be your portion or the torment on earth. But the word of God is clear. There's repentance on a daily basis for the child of God. I assess my life in, in, in light of his holy word. I, I, just like a mirror, I come and I look and I make the proper adjustments. But the word of God is far greater. I look into the word of God and, 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 and oh, oh, well, first of all, do you? Do you look into the word of God? Or perhaps the first time you'll hear God speak is when you stand before him as judge. What a horrible thing. God has spoken in the word in Jesus The living word and the written word. God has spoken. Repent. That's the basic message here. In this chapter. These chapters. Even in the judgment of God. Pouring upon earth. He's calling. Men and women. To repentance. God now has commanded all men everywhere to repent. And that he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. In that he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. God has done all he can. One day, sad to say, millions of individuals who were churchgoers, religious people, will stand before the Savior, who is now the judge. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Is that your case? Do you know the Savior? I know the Savior. Do you know the Savior? You know your sins are forgiven. Have you repented? Have you changed your mind? Turn from my way to his way and receive the Savior as your own. It's open for us now to respond. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this solemn passage that tells us of things to come. These are serious. These are solemn judgments. We thank you that the child of God will never never face these things. But you have given us the, the outline of what is to come. One day the mystery of God will be finished. Christ, the mystery, the king will be established on this earth. He who has reigned in so many hearts now will one day become visible. All the earth will see him, but it will be too late for many. Father, we pray that these words will be impressed upon our hearts. This morning, if there's any that don't know the Savior, that today they might come to know him, whom to know is life eternal. And for we who know the Savior, that we will repent. Look at the word of God. Be honest with ourselves. Be honest in the sight, your sight. And make the necessary adjustments to please you. We want to walk in ways that will be will please you. And to be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.